agents of peace. This is who we are. We are living in a time full of crisis. Full of political tension. Political chaos. And sometimes we even ask ourselves, what is happening? What's going on? We were informed about the consequences of the two world wars. We were told that those wars have very bad consequences on our life, on the economy of the world, on the ecosystem, on the nature. And yet, here we are in the 21st century talking about peace, conflict. Because we have conflict among peoples, conflict among nations. So, what's going on? And sometimes we even ask ourselves the usual question What have we learned? What have we learned from history? We were told about genocide, we were told about the Shoah, or what we call the Holocaust. And yet, here we are, talking about conflict, hatred between nations in the 21st century. It seems something is not going well. So, should we just, you know, stand there and not doing anything? Should we just say that the UN is going to take care of it? This is the responsibility of the government. Or should we just say, this is not our problem. We're not here to change the world. No, we can never say that. As Christians, we have a mission. In addition to that, the world belongs to us. I know sometimes it's easy for us to say, oh, I'm not here to change the world. In about your community, in about your family, in about your church, in about your friends. Sometimes I feel that I have the responsibility to do something for the people around me. Even though it's not going to have a big impact on the world, but somehow it's going to make a little difference. And it is always easy for me to blame government or the UN to say that they are weak and powerless. They're not doing anything to help with conflict around the world. 
as if I have no responsibility in what is happening. But it's not true. I have to do my part. I have to start small. And this is how we can impact the world. By starting at a smaller scale. So, we need to understand that as Christians, we really, really have the responsibility to lead the world. We really have this responsibility to show to the world there is something greater than the UN. There is something greater than a politician or government. There is someone who is in control. And he empowered us to help the people around us. We understand that we will never be able to gather all the leaders or everybody around the world and say, hey, you know what? No more conflict because we are Christian. And God, you know, told us to tell you that. We'll never be able to do that. And sometimes people are like, are you crazy? What are you talking about? But we can start at a micro level. It is obvious that The UN have felt, right? It is obvious that government cannot do much. But we can start impacting people at a micro level, more interpersonal level. And we need to be more conscious about that. Take a look at this map. You can interpret this map two ways. You can use the world more peaceful countries or you can use the world less peaceful countries. I was talking to Matt this morning about that and I couldn't even see my country, Haiti, because it's so tiny, so small. Look at Canada, blue. And... um, Look at the yellow, yellow and orange. That kind of tells you how many countries around the world are in conflict. Yellow and orange, kind of, yellow would be more in between. And orange would be kind of low, where people don't really have peace. We have a serious problem here. We're not dreamers. We're not trying to give people false hope that, you know what? We as Christians, we're going to fix it. Conflict is a human being problem. Wherever there is human being, there will be conflicts. So we need to be conscious about that. In Genesis chapter 13, 
If you have a Bible in front of you, you can please use that. We're going to need it. This passage is very interesting. It gives us a lot of insight on how to address conflict as Christian. On how to deal with problems with our peers, with our co-workers, with our friends. This is the passage. As you can see, I took the time to bold a couple of names. And we're going to use a little structure to help us understand the passage. That was very useful for me to understand the passage. And I'm sure that's going to be very helpful for you as well. So let's just take a look at it. I'm very sure that most of you are kind of familiar with uh, this structure. This is what we call the narrative structure. If you go watch a movie, this is exactly what you're going to see. If you love reading stories, most of the time this is what they use. And this has been used for years. Plato, Aristotle, they all use this structure. And it's very useful. In Genesis chapter 13, what do we have here? The exposition. The exposition kind of introduce the actors, the main characters, set the stage, establish the scene. Genesis chapter 13 talk about Lot and Abraham's. Those are the two main characters that we have in the passage. In chapter 12, Abraham's was in Egypt because things were not good for him. He had to go to Egypt to see if he could, you know, find a better place to live. And after that, he decided to move on because God had called him and God told him, you know what? One day, I am going to make something special. And now, Abraham and Lord are traveling together. While they are traveling together, something happened. They were living in the same area. And they start to have a lot of wealth, a lot of camels, a lot of cows. Things were going very well for them. But unfortunately, the, the land kind of became too small for them because they were becoming richer and richer. And now, there were a lot of tension and conflicts between the people of Abraham and the people of Lot. I mean, their workers. There were a lot of conflicts. Hey, this is... Our area, don't stay there. No, this is belong to us. No. How do we settle that? 
This is what we call rising action. If you read, I take uh, verse 4 and 5, you could consider that as the rising action. And now we have what we call the climax. Imagine that. Picture that as a movie, right? The movie started, you have the characters, and there is a little tension, a little... So what's going to happen? This is what we call the turning point. Now we're going to have a drastic change. There would be a shift. Abraham's realized that there's a big problem, tension, conflicts. Then he decided to call Lord to say, hey, we need to have a talk here. Why are we having this mess? I understand that you are wealthy now. I understand that you have a lot of workers. You have a lot of ships. You have a lot of cows. But we cannot live like that. If you go back to chapter 12, when God called Abraham, he made the promise Abraham decided to take Lot with him because Lot's father had died and he didn't have anybody. And Abraham like, I have faith in this God. I don't know him, but I trust him. And I'm not going to let you hear. You are coming with me. We're going to unite together. And Lot was excited. Thank you, thank you, uncle. My dad would be very proud. My dad would be very pleased. Abraham said, you're coming with me. You're my nephew. I know you don't have a dad. And now, Abraham decided to have this meeting with Lord by saying, hey, you know what? This can happen. This can happen. We need to resolve that. They had this conversation and they were able to make things work. For now, we're going to use this, this little phrase. They were able to make things work. And now, this is what we call the falling action. We're kind of, you know, trying to resolve the conflict. Yeah, so... We need to be able to live together. And after that, Lot and Abraham decided to part away. So the conflict is fully resolved now. We will have what we call the denouement. It's like a new beginning, right? The movie is about to, to head. It's like when you're watching those Marvel's movies, and then they kind of give you this little teaser and say, hey, this is what's going to happen next. It's like a new beginning. It's like new life is about to start. This is what the passage is about. If we can use this structure and then keep that you know, in your mind, that's going to help us to understand uh, what is happening in Genesis chapter 13. So now, let us just take some time to 
kind of talk about the characters, right? Abrams. Before, his name was Abram without H, and God kind of changed that, but now we're going to use that Abrams. Who is he? I call him the peacemaker. He is the oldest child in the family. His dad, Tara, had three sons. Unfortunately, the middle one died. So only two of them left. He's a married man. His wife is Sarah. But unfortunately, they cannot have kids. He's a businessman. He has a lot of wealth. He has a lot of workers. But his life is not that pretty. Things are not that good for him. Remember, in Genesis chapter 12, he decided to go to Egypt. And then when he got there, he had to lie. Because his wife was so beautiful, he told Sarah, you know what? Please, when we get there, tell them that you are not my wife. You are my sister. Because for a man like me, those guys, they're going to kill me. You are too beautiful. They're going to kill me and take you. Please. Please. No, tell them that you are my sister. You see? He had to lie to save his life. And now, after coming back to Egypt, he is in this land with his nephew Lot. He's facing a lot of problems. You imagine that? You are telling your wife to lie on your behalf? It's not a good situation. That's going to impact your moral and your authority. And Abraham, he was kind of down. He was down. Full of, you know, he was embarrassed. He had a lot of what we call intrapersonal conflict with his own self, trying to do what we call this introspection. Am I a good man? What did I have to do that? Now, can I give advice to other people? You see, he's facing this conflict, this intrapersonal conflict. And now, he has to deal with another conflict, interpersonal conflict with other people. And guess what? While they were traveling, his dad gave up on him. His dad said, hey, I'm, 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 I'm too old for that. Hey, Abraham, you keep going. I don't know this God. You keep going. I'm staying here. Wow, that's not good. 
You see, it's always good to have family members around. It's always good to have somebody that can advise you, that knows better than you, that can tell you, hey, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. Hey, be patient. Now it's time to silence. It's always good. And his dad was a good mentor for him. But unfortunately, his dad said, hey, I'm done with that, my friend. Son, keep going. See ya. Wow. That's not good. He's facing a lot of pressure, a lot of challenges. He cannot have kids. Maybe Sarah was not happy with him. Wow. Now you can see this man whose name is Abraham. He had all the reason in the world to be rough, ruthless. But guess what? That's not going to be the case. He's going to be a peacemaker. He's going to be a man full of compassion. He's going to be a caring human being. He's going to be a caricature of Jesus. A man who is seeking peace. A man who understands relationship. A man who is not looking for the things of this world. This is exactly what is happening here in verse 13. I don't know if you can see it, but after this mess, he had to talk to Lot. Hey, guess what? We are brothers. This cannot happen. What a man. I don't know how many people would do that in our society. And guess what? Back in those days, we have something that we call the elderly right. He had to give up his elderly right by calling the Lord saying, Hey, you know what? Choose. Look at this. We have a lot of lands, right? We don't have to fight for that. Choose. If you go to the left, I'm going to the right. If you're going to the right, I'm going to the left. It's not about things. It's not about wealth. It's not about power. It's not about dominance. It's not about number one. It's about relationship. We are brothers. People in the world would consider us as crazy people if we were, you know, to advise them to follow this model. Avoid this war. We already have enough land. No, people would say, ah, you're crazy. You don't understand anything. Because the world is driven by capitalism. Thanks God for the Bible and thanks God for Abraham's. That is a very good model that we can follow today. And guess what? He could have easily 
mention to Lord or remind Lord, hey, my friend, I am the one who got you here. And you are my nephew. I am the one who took the initiative. So what's going on here? Why are you not having a meeting with your workers, with your people? Why? No. He's a peacemaker. His concern is relationship, the human being. And, and about Lot. Kind of call him the unwise. Young. Don't give me one. I can see myself in Lot's shoes, right? You young. And now, Abraham's give you this, this opportunity. Say, hey, look at all those beautiful land. You, you choose. Yeah, I'm young. A lot of things, like you see, you're like, yeah, if I do this, if I do that, yeah, watch this. Yeah, I can do this, I can do that. I'd be rich, I'd be famous. Yeah. He's young. Yeah. Driven by capitalism. Yeah, the things of this world. That is a natural reaction for human being, right? Let's be realistic. Sometimes we want to see things. This is exactly what was happening with Lot. He saw those things, those beautiful lands, trees. Hey, this is where I'm going. Forget about it. When Abraham's made that offer. And this is exactly what I call the difference, right? Lot could have said, you know what? Let's see if we could split it in a way so you have some waters. You have some green pasture as well. I am going for the green land. I don't care about whether or not you're going to have water. I don't care about what's going to happen to you. But for myself, thank you so much. I am going to choose that beautiful land. And see ya. That was Lord's reaction. And this is what makes the difference between the two. Wow. And guess what? Abraham had one thing in mind. I am going to trust in the Lord. It's not about what I see. But this God who called me has the power to take care of me. If you want to go for this green pasture, go for it. I've learned my lesson. I don't have to, to lie anymore. I'm going to trust in the Lord. It's about peace. It's about the relationship that exists between us. I value that. And I don't want you to suffer. I would rather suffer. But you, as my nephew, I want you to be happy. I want you to have a good life. And bless you. He was sincere. But Lord, had no concern for Abraham. Thank you. All right. 
I'll visit you sometime. All right, now I have the Greenland. Bye-bye. Very selfish. And sometimes we can see this behavior, this pattern continue in our society. We need more people like Abrams, right? That can help us to resolve those conflicts. There's one thing that you and I need to keep in mind. The world is watching us. If you go back to the passage, you would see that verse 5 and 6 mention that the Canaanites and the Perizzites, they were living there. They were around when this conflict was happening between Abraham and Lot. They were watching. They were like, yeah, we heard that this God, this unknown God called you. So now you have to face that. What are you going to do about it? And they're just watching. The world is watching us. When we are facing those little problems, you know, when we have problems with our relatives, with, with our family, the world is watching us. The neighborhood. Other people, they're just watching us. Yeah, you, you're saying that you are a Christian. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? We need to be careful. We need to understand that as Christian, we have this responsibility. Because we are telling other people, hey, we have peace. Jesus Christ gave us that peace. And why are we not able to show that to them? Why are we not able to share that with them? So we just need to be careful. Not only the, the Canaanites and the parasites, but also family members, right? Maybe Sarah was the one to, you know, we call Abraham and say, hey, you know what? I don't want this conflict. Oh, but please do something about it. Or maybe she was like, hey, hey, man, I'm tired with that, man. I'm done with that. I told you about it. So now look at So maybe he was facing a lot of pressure. And he had to do something about it. And also, friends, right? The workers, they were watching. Ah, Abrams, you, you are the elder. Go do something about it. No. Remember, he's a peacemaker. He's a peacemaker. He's going to do something about it. But it's going to do it according to the will of the Lord. He's going to do it according to the promise of the Lord. This is exactly what you and I need to do, right? When those little conflicts arise. When other people watching, we need to remember that we are living we are living by faith. We are living according to the promise of the Lord. This is exactly what we need to do. We need to be an agent of peace. Again, I love this verse. For Bram, like, you know, he's, he's the one who received the call, right? He's the one who has what we call the elderly right. But he's going 
focusing on other things, on peace and relationship. That is very encouraging. That is very powerful and beautiful. My friends, you and I, we can never, ever be like the world. We can never have, you know, speech like, yes, you know what? Kill them all. Release the beast. Yeah. Unleash the kraken. No. We don't have such focus. We are people of compassion and love. We care for others. We want other people to see the Lord in us. But we have to show love and compassion to them by not focusing on things, on dominance. We have to focus on relationship. And here is what we need to do. This is exactly what you and I need to do. I love when you help me preaching. Would you please read that with me? After two. One, two. Nothing. Faith. 